Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is... Why do wizards need money? Hey there, guys. I'm Jem. And I'm Rhea, and it's time to brace yourself for another episode where neither of us know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, two in a row. Sport yeah. and then money. Sport and the economy. <laughs> two things I just actively mm. don't take an interest in. <laughs> Did you happen to look like on our Google spreadsheet about like what we said about economy or money or anything like that? I did. A lot of it was just like, what are the goblin rebellions? Why do they have money? Do the goblins control Gringotts or does the ministry control Gringotts? Mm. Just a lot of like basic shit. Like we don't understand anything about how it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's because Rowling wrote a series about a magical school and then was like, oh, fuck. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to actually create a world around this. But yeah, she just this, didn't really bother with this that. This school has to be part of a society of some kind. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Right. My favorite well, question that we had was, why is wizarding money whimsical rather than functional? <laughs> Which I think is going to define this entire episode. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because, like, you know, 17 sickles to a galleon, Ooh. 28 nuts to a sickle, right? Something like Infuriating. that. Infuriating. Yeah, just dumb. Like, mm. and this is from the land that has the metric system, so... No, well, the wizards use the imperial system. Oh, right. Even if they have the metric system, they're still doing things in, like, feet and inches and shit. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Unpleasant. Um, uh, basically, I guess my first point, the Harry Potter universe is blatantly capitalist. Arguably mm. even more capitalist than our real world. Let's discuss. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about why do wizards need money, I guess we could st- start with the idea of, like, well, Gamp's Law, right? Wizards okay. can't create food out of nothing. They can't create money out of nothing, right? Yeah, except let's obviously you can. <laughs> yeah, let's start there. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've talked about, what is it? It's the exception to Gamp's Law of Elemental Transfigurations. So we assume that Gamp's Law of Elemental Transfiguration means that you can transform one element into another element. Yeah. And that works all the time, except for these handful of exceptions, which are food can't mm. transfigure food or conjure food and money which you can't transfigure or conjure but as we've spoken in the past that doesn't really make sense in either case mm. because like i get the idea that you can't transfigure or conjure like currency like coins nuts yeah. and galleons and stuff but hermione does that <laughs> Yeah. So obviously it is possible. It's just that there would be counterfeit coins. Like I could take a galleon and cast some sort of replicating charm 
and mm-hmm. have 20 galleons or whatever, but they would all have the same serial number on them. So if I just kept doing that indefinitely, eventually I would get caught. But like, yeah. you could probably get away with it a little bit. Yeah, you physically can do it, but realistically, societally, legally, you can't mm. <laughs> because you'll get caught. So yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot of the um, like objections that people have to the economy in the Wizarding World is just like, well, why can't you just use magic to solve this problem? And it's like, well, probably you can use magic to solve this problem, much in the same way that I, a regular human, can create my own money. It's just illegal. And if I get caught, I'll go to prison. I also think, I mean, that's one point. That's one clear thing that we can logic out. There could be another explanation, and I hate to throw mm-hmm. it in this early, but yeah. upon my studies, <laughs> I say studies as if it's an actual thing. Um, yeah. in my Instead research, of Googling <laughs> wizard money. <laughs> yeah. In my research, I came across a realization that uh, this is skipping ahead way ahead my points but okay not many wizarding jobs are about manufacturing or producing raw goods right so things like doesn't seem like it no yeah metals timbers food like they're just not being produced by wizards we know that the concept of wizard agriculture and farms exist Mm -hmm. because there's this thing called the nogtail this creature that hides as a farm animal on your farm but actually leeches the farm of all productivity or something like that and there's also a mention of eel harvesting in an eel farm in goblet of fire Is so there's there? aquaculture Come on, yeah okay <laughs> amos diggory mentions an eel farm or some shit and so that gives mm-hmm. us the evidence of aquaculture and also we know okay. that well we don't know this but there's speculation that there's some sort of harvesting of insects for things like fizzing wisbies and Big, yeah. like billy wig stings i just don't think they're farming insects i think they're just fucking picking up insects off the ground but anyway yeah. uh, <laughs> it seems like the weasleys have like pigs and chickens and like yeah, grow some of their own yeah. food so there's yeah. some sort of evidence of agriculture which means there could be wizard farmers out there right but mm-hmm. we just really don't hear about it enough and like that's a big part of the economy right agriculture yeah. aquaculture so it makes me think that it's just not really a thing like large scale right so some some dude might have an eel farm that he eats his eels from or whatever i don't know what you do with an eel farm or some the weasleys might have pigs (laughs) and chickens and stuff that they grow their own they get their own produce but i just think (laughs) that the majority of like raw material production and harvesting is not Mm -hmm. done by wizards it's done by elves right because we know that elves have this food magic they can create food. They transport it up through the dining tables in Hogwarts. And that's sort of their own thing that they can do separate to wizards. Wizards can't just conjure food out of nothing against law. But elves have this exception, right? And it makes me I think... I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like I thought that elves couldn't conjure food out of nothing. They were just like cooking and preparing food that was yeah, sourced from somewhere I else. Yeah, but I also think they're growing the food. They're right. Growing okay. The, yeah. Yes, I understand. They're, yep. you know... Continue slavery <laughs> yeah yeah slave um, labor yeah and so then i was thinking about the other raw materials right so mm-hmm. like metal and we know that goblins are associated with manufacturing jewelry weaponry mm-hmm. things made of metal yeah metal Money. working is a huge part of like goblin culture and stuff i i just started thinking maybe certain precious metals and precious stones things that make up the currency of the wizarding world and the wealth of the wizarding world 
can't be manipulated by magic because they're manipulated by goblin magic, right? Mm. So wizards can't just be casting spells on them. Like they can, you can take a galleon and change the date on it to indicate your secret meetings and shit. And you can yeah. replicate galleons maybe, but maybe you can't actually. <laughs> like maybe you can't take a galleon and replicate it because it's not your magic. It's not that kind of thing. I don't know. Okay. It just got me thinking about that. How I assumed that it would have worked is like, okay, so I replicate a galleon. Now I've got 20 galleons. I go to the the store. Yeah, Yeah, they're all the same. I go to the store. I spend those 20 galleons because the shopkeeper's not checking the serial numbers or whatever. That's fine. Eventually, through the economy, those coins make their way back to Gringotts. And the second Mm -hmm. a goblin sees them, he's like, that's a fake coin. Yeah. Now it's time to trace it back to wherever it came from. Yeah. And maybe the goblins do that, but more likely that's passed over to the auras and the auras track me down and then I go to Azkaban forever. Yeah. Because we know that Griphook takes one look at the sword of Gryffindor and he's like, that's a fake. Yeah. So I think they just can tell fakes immediately. That's definitely a high probability, but it also could just be that you can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just can't. You just can't because like working with precious metals and manipulating precious metals is something that goblin magic can do and not wizard mm-hmm. magic. I'm trying to think of a time where we see a wizard like conjure a bar of gold out of thin air or something. Because I'm sure we, it must the be only possible. example we have is Hermione, right? She gets a common coin and mm-hmm. she's she manages to do an enchantment on it. So she's not like replicating it. She's not creating more of it. She's just enchanting it so that it shows a different date so people know when to meet up for a secret meeting, right? Oh, I thought she like created a series of fake coins no no i think she just had those coins and she just gave them out to people she might just withdrew them from her own account so So she dropped a fair amount of money on that scheme then (laughs) yeah i think so um that wasn't chum change that was a galleon to every single member of the order of the phoenix (laughs) yeah because it was given a particular name it's like protean charm or some bullshit because Mm -hmm. annie mcmillan identified it he's like oh you put an enchantment charm on this where it's like you know, it burns hot so that we know to pick it up and look at it and then it tells us when the next meeting will be. It's the same mm-hmm. thing as a dark mark. It's not yeah. like she's created these coins out of nothing or has duplicated these coins. I think she's literally withdrawn maybe half a dozen or a dozen coins from her own account and has changed them all so that they all sync up and stuff like that. That is like, she's dropping big money on that though because there's like two dozen members of the Order of the Phoenix, not Order yeah. of the Phoenix, Dumbledore's army. Yeah. And we haven't got into this yet, but that's anywhere from like... 200 to i don't know a thousand dollars yeah we don't know i mean were they all galleons yeah they were all galleons all galleons yeah look i'm more willing to believe that even because Hermione's not poor like you know her parents are dentists i think like she might have just had the change to do just it drop money on that i okay, don't cool. like she bought her in dress robes like she's not exactly poor or unwealthy What's the... yeah but look <laughs> we weren't raised poor or unwealthy but i still couldn't drop several hundred dollars on like a scheme with my friends without my yeah. parents at the very least knowing about it yeah i understand that but also jk rowling does not give a fuck about math and doesn't care about these things or think about these things look that's so valid of her <laughs> neither do i so she would have just been like oh yeah Hermione withdrew this and changed them and without thinking of the fucking exchange rate and being like Hermione dropped maybe seven thousand dollars on this (laughs) idea um (laughs) fucking Hermione putting money into this kickstarter I guess um (laughs) but yeah that's just I mean prove me wrong like I don't think that she can duplicate a galleon like if I'm if my argument is correct and goblins are the only ones that can manipulate metal like this and create their own precious metals 
I think that well, that makes more sense than the idea that like, oh yeah, it is just a legal thing that you will get caught out eventually because the rule is you can't, <laughs> like you physically can't. So yeah, but like that rule that you physically can't is it's just hand wavy bullshit. Like yeah, you true. Can. Obviously, but what you if can. you physically can't? <laughs> yeah, okay. and I've come up with a compelling argument. <laughs> compelling argument you can't is your argument that's an argument yeah well no because the goblins have like a monopoly over this have a control of this kind of magic mm-hmm. and that's why they're allowed to continue running the economy even though there is all these rebellions and everyone likes goblins and everyone hates them yeah because they're the only ones that can do this <laughs> okay <sighs> we're gonna have to agree to disagree here because i don't think you're right and you don't think i'm right we're just gonna get stuck on this point all episode i think you're right like it makes sense <laughs> but i just think that there's like let's talk about it like okay. i think that there's another option here <laughs> when i was all looking right. more into the economy of things i kept coming back to the point that wizards fucking hate goblins yeah, <laughs> so they why do, hate do goblins. they continue to let the goblins rule their giant wizard safe full of all their gold <laughs> <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense <laughs> So let's talk about this option that could possibly make sense. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, ten minutes in, we're yelling at each other. <laughs> My God. Capitalism. It is, yes, it is very interesting that goblins have such a privileged place in society where they control the economy and run the only bank, another point we have to come to. Mm-hmm. And they're also so despised. But yep. like... I don't know. I kind of see it like lawyers, I guess, where like everybody hates lawyers is the common joke, but they also are incredibly important and serve a massively valued function in society. Uh, But, you know, with an extra element of racism there. Yeah, obviously. And also, yeah, obviously racism. There wasn't like the lawyer rebellion of 1632 because (laughs) there was a wizard out there disenfranchising and killing lawyers willy nilly. Yeah. And they weren't and lawyers weren't second class citizens that couldn't get access to guns like everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> and know? lawyers aren't also a separate race. Like, yeah. It's not a perfect metaphor. I'm saying it's similar. No, I don't think it's the same. I really don't. Um <laughs> <laughs> No. Because also like let's start with Green Gods, sorry. I know we're going all over the fucking shop. Yeah, I would with- really like to take a more structured approach to this episode. <laughs> well, you started <laughs> No, I, I didn't. <laughs> What? Yeah, Gamp's Law. Okay, no, I said Gamp's Law first. So you, okay. <laughs> you started talking and I've been trying to keep up. Okay, fine. You start with your arguments. We'll come back to this goblin thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I wanted to start with was just like basically what do we use money for? And like, yep. do wizards need money for the same things? Okay, fine. Let's start with that. Okay. <laughs> just like a real basic introductory argument. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, okay. okay. What we are use... the things that we use money for? Trade. We we trade goods and services. Money can be used to exchange for goods and services. <laughs> yeah, money that's can it. be used to buy many peanuts. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. So I had like rent, mortgage, bills, taxes, basic necessities like food and clothes, education, transport, healthcare, and then luxuries and leisure. Those were mm-hmm. the things that I could think of that we use money for. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we can immediately cross out education because wizards get free schooling. Do they? I thought well, you had to Hogwarts, pay to attend Hogwarts. You don't have to pay to attend Hogwarts. It's free tuition. Free you have tuition. to pay for your own supplies. 
Oh, okay, so not so free then. <laughs> yeah. But there's also a fund, like some sort of discretionary fund set up for people who can't afford their own supplies. Right. Like uh, Tom yeah. Riddle, because he's yeah. an orphan and from the muggle world, he doesn't have any galleons or whatever. So they pay for all of his supplies. True. And I guess like there's secondhand books and stuff at the school and you can go to secondhand robes so you don't have to go to Madame Malkin's and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, okay. There are some yeah. measures in place. Yeah, so education is free. Transport was the next one that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you have to pay for flu powder. Mm-hmm. You have to pay to board the night bus. You have to buy a broom. Mm-hmm. But apparition is completely free. Port keys, do you think they're free? I think if you want a registered one, you might have to sign a form or something, which might be a bit of money. Mm. Um, but, but we to could... make an unregistered one, nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's free, but it's also very illegal. Like, you could possibly go to jail for that, like, if you do it enough times. Um, yeah, again, I feel like a lot of stuff you could do for free, but it's probably illegal to do so. Yeah. Um, what was I? I was going to say something about apparition oh yeah so apparition is free but it's also like hard mm, so you have, to go, hard. you have to go to school or like no actually you have to learn to apparate by paying like 30 gallons or something right yeah you have to pay for the class to do it and i assume yeah. you have to get a license you would probably have to pay for that license as well True. and maybe it needs to be renewed every now and then so again learning it legally and officially is not free mm-hmm. um but if you have an older brother that wants to teach you apparition you could probably learn to do it for free yeah, you can um, get around a lot of these things. Yeah. I think probably to have your house connected to the flu network is a fee of some kind. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. So you do have to pay for... Your house. Oh, yeah, as opposed to go shopping faster. But... Yeah, to get at places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then other people can get to your place. I guess you could have it like as it's only an outgoing flu powder network, not an in. Well, then you can't get home. <laughs> well, like, yeah, you just separate home or something. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why it's easier. Because, like... I'm just thinking about it logistically. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want people in my house. <laughs> yeah. Like, hmm. I guess there's something you can do where it's like, oh, yeah, this is a private, like, flu network thing. That means you probably can't just pop up in a shop at any time, too, because you could just rob the store after hours. Yeah, the flu network is, like, all connected. I don't think you can yeah. have a private flu network, because then, what, you're just connected to, like, your friends' houses? I don't know. Hmm. No, I think it's like an opt-in, opt-out sort of thing. that You either do it or you don't. Yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. A common thing that I definitely see in fan fiction all the time is the idea that you can like block your flu or turn it off for certain hours of the day. Mm. But I don't know if that's from the series or if that's just we all collectively decided that's the only thing that makes sense. That's definitely not from the series. That's definitely something the fandom came up with. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like you said, you would have to because it's possible to flu directly into stores. Yeah. And like... I could just flew into a store in the middle of the night and take shit and leave. But once again, like I can break the law. Yeah. <laughs> I will probably get caught. Yeah. I could also break into a store now with a brick. It's not hard. <laughs> but we haven't covered how the, how magical society functions legally yet. And I'm very mm-hmm. scared to, because I think it's a bit of a mix of both, right? Like there's plenty of things you can do, but there's plenty of ways you can get caught. But also, if you're smart enough, <laughs> you can yeah. never get caught. <laughs> so it's real scary. Anyway, we'll cover that mm. in a later episode. <laughs> yeah, so transport's something that you have to spend money on. Clothes, basic necessities, food, we know we have to spend money on these. But, like, I feel like there are lots of ways to get around having to spend a lot of money. 
mm-hmm. using magic. Yeah, certainly the the Weasley is like a poor, but they mm-hmm. have seven children and they're able to get by rather comfortably. Like I say that yeah. in big air quotes. I don't want to be disrespectful to their experience, but like you know, if if Ron wrecks his his sweater, it's not that big a deal. You can mend it, and mm-hmm. like they always have the food available on their own farm. They uh, are able to send all their kids to go get educated. And mm-hmm. even though they have to have hand-me-down books and secondhand robes, it's like, <laughs> it's still, they're able to get by quite easily, which is Yeah, they good. are raising, yeah, they're raising a family yeah. of seven on one mediocre government salary. Yeah, probably less than mediocre because Arthur gets fucking shat on all the time at work because of his pro-muggle leanings. Yeah, so he he's in a tiny like, little office that like... Yeah. Yeah. He's he not like pulling in big wedge. money. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's much more plausible to be thrifty in the wizarding world where like oh, yeah. you can use magic to repair things or like somebody was saying in like my researching, somebody was like, well, why can't I just buy one set of clothes and transfigure it every day into a new set of clothes? Because transfiguration apparently like doesn't last long or wears down or whatever but once if i buy the original outfit and it's like solid materials or whatever i'm just changing the style and the cut of it basically Mm -hmm. i'm not like creating it out of nothing and then ending up wearing rags once the spell wears off but like remember when marge tried to do that and eventually like the whole suit just crumbled away like (laughs) oh marge simpson yeah (laughs) Not Aunt Marge from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think they're making a good point. I reckon you could get away with doing that once or twice. Like, you have a dress and you, like, change the color of it. You change the cut of it once or twice for a different occasion. But if you're doing that consistently every day, it's going to eventually... Like, the magic will wear away faster. Like, it'll only mm-hmm. be changed for a few hours before it wears away. And I think eventually, if you're doing that consistently to the same item of clothing every day, it's going to, like, wear away the actual material itself. Yeah, like, but like regular clothes also wear down with wear and tear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I also just think uh, a lot of wizards don't do that because they lack creativity and imagination. Because yeah. they live in a world where fucking your clock is also a shark that eats the hours away or whatever. Like they live in a world <laughs> where you can walk down a street and see a person turn into a duck and then buy their hot dog and walk off. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they don't have imagination. Muggleborns are a distinctly <laughs> different type of wizards because they had at least 11 years of their first childhood life where they were exposed to other kinds of thoughts and ideas and different worlds and magical realities and fairy tales and shit. So they might have more of an imagination than your average wizard, but even that could wear away over time once mm. you've been completely culturally indoctrinated <laughs> into the magical world and left all your muggle self behind. Mm. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. definitely why that's not happening. Do you think you have to pay for healthcare? Or is that Mungo is completely mm. free? That's a good question. I think... You have to buy potions. Or oh, yeah. you have to buy potion ingredients and make your own potions, which I think would probably be cheaper. Or you can buy the final potion if you're not good at potions. But I think you could also just find or create your own potion experience. Uh, ingredients, not potion experiences. <laughs> <laughs> right, Okay. Like, certainly you can buy a book and, like, do your own backyard potioning, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you would have to be able to. You can just grow all this shit in the backyard, and probably the magical creature parts would be harder to come by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, it makes me kind of think that healthcare isn't, isn't free, because 
Arthur Weasley. Like, remember when he got severely injured, right? Yeah. He was in hospital. He um he wanted to get stitches, and Mrs. Weasley scolded him for it because of this mm-hmm. little thing, blah, blah, blah. But I also think there's an extra element to that. He had to come home early, right? If I'm remembering right. Like, he was in hospital for a, a bit of time when he was in his... When he was, like, you know, critically injured. And then he had to come home. But I guess that's kind of normal for hospitals here. Like, you can't stay in hospitals forever. But is that because it's expensive to stay in hospitals? <laughs> like... Well, what I was thinking was, if it was expensive, surely the Weasleys would have mentioned it. Hmm. Like, you know, even if Harry just, like, sort of overheard Mrs. Weasley being like, I don't know if we can afford to have him in there over Christmas... And I don't know, somebody else saying like, of course he can. The order will pay for it. He was injured in the line of duty. Something like that. Like, I feel like if that was a factor, it would have come up in the book. I don't know if it would have come up because one, it's not relevant to Harry's journey. Yeah. Two, the Weasleys are very proud people and they're going to be like mentioning their money troubles to the other people in the order. Um, So, and also Harry just mightn't have overheard (laughs) if it did happen. Like, I, I just... It could be that it was too expensive to keep him in there because when you think about it, it's not a matter of there's not enough bed space, right? Like, that's a problem with hospitals now. Like, we mm. need to clear this room and have it available for someone else who is in more need, right? That's mm-hmm. not a problem with magical hospitals. You can expand the size of the room even though it doesn't make sense physically. You can ha- add more beds and stuff like that. Yeah, um, you can expand the physical space, but it's there's other resources as well, like resources, the staffing. Yeah. Yeah, and the potions and shit, bandages. No, because they just conjure bandages out of thin air, so that's not a problem. Yeah, that's a spell, yeah. Mm. It'd be the human staffing element, I guess. Yeah. Not everyone's a healer. Hmm, okay. I mean, unsolved. (laughs) (laughs) I would say it makes, like, based on everything else about the society, I do think you do have to pay for healthcare. You have to pay Mm -hmm. for potions, you have to pay for your ingredients. It makes me think that you have to pay for a visit to your GP to get antlers out of your head. Yeah, because okay. I guess there's a big assumption too, because there's this whole cultural construction of what makes you powerful and worthy in society is that you're able to be magically powerful. So mm-hmm. if you have to go to a doctor or a healer, better words, if you have to go to a healer to get the antlers removed from your head, it's a bit pathetic, ain't it? <laughs> like, surely <laughs> you can find the anti-spell yourself and figure it out yourself. But no, you have to pay your galleons to go get it done for you that's definitely a societal (laughs) attitude that people would have that's so interesting so like healthcare is seen as a punishment for people who are too weak to solve their own problems maybe great i love that (laughs) it's terrible but that's definitely some wizard bullshit Mm, that does seem like some wizard bullshit i mean look at what they do to obscure and stuff they lock them away Mm. like (laughs) I, well, it, locking them away creates obscure. Yeah, I but, mean, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. The, and like, oh, your child may be a squib, let's chuck him out of a second story window. Like, there's definitely an attitude of, like, rough it out. Like, like you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think that there would be that kind of attitude towards healthcare as well. Like, it wouldn't be called healthcare, it'd be healing. Yeah. Mm. It's not a deeply empathetic and caring society. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> very brutal. Another thing I was thinking of was Mad-Eye and Kettleburn, both of whom have prosthetics and magical yeah. prosthetics as well. Mm-hmm. Like, we know Kettleburn didn't purchase his prosthetics after he lost his limbs working as the care of magical creatures teacher, just for anyone who's not familiar with Kettleburn. Yeah. Dumbledore transfigured him like magical moving limbs, prosthetics, effectively, made out of wood. Right. So he didn't buy those. Hmm. 
Where did Mad Eye get his eye from? I don't know. It could have been. I mean, Mad Eye has a bunch of interesting cursed objects he's picked up over the years. It could have been something he found. It could have been something that was given to him. Um, it could have been something he bought. Like, I don't think Mad Eye is wanting for cash. He's like the head aura. Mm. <laughs> like, I think if he needed to purchase an eye or something to see through, he would be able to do that. Yeah, what I was wondering is, like, is there's got to be a market for, like, wizard prosthetics, right? Mm, you'd think so. I mean, based off just Mad-Eye and Kettleburn alone. Yeah. That's kind of cool that Kettleburn just got free prosthetics. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he was a teacher, so I'm guessing not getting that great a wage. But then again, there's the only school. We don't know what the wages of the teachers are. They might be really good. Um, I so, think they're pretty good. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. It's the only school. It's, like, a really sought-after profession. But then again... We've got, like, a bunch of fucking wild cards in there, like Lockhart. But anyway. Um, yeah, although the defense against dark arts doesn't count, because obviously we know there's special circumstances there. Yeah. And also, you know, Snape's a traitor or whatever. I think Kettleburn may have been able to afford his own prosthetics, but maybe Dumbledore, as a favour, and because Dumbledore's a kind man, was able to, is like, oh, you know what, I can do this for you. I'm very skilled at transfiguration. Yeah. And also maybe Dumbledore felt a little guilty that Kettleborn lost all his limbs in his employment. <laughs> yeah. So that definitely, that is like a concrete example that we have of someone using magic to solve a problem that otherwise would be very expensive to solve. Like mm-hmm. straight up, he didn't have to buy prosthetics because Dumbledore magicked him some. So if yeah. you are powerfully magical enough, like you can get out of spending money on all kinds of shit because you can just magic it into existence. Yeah, but that's with the assumption that you know someone who is that powerfully magical or you are powerfully magical yourself. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't have access to things like that. Like, yeah. we see that a lot in the series because we have characters like Dumbledore and Voldemort and Harry. You know, Harry has his own magical power to him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of your your average folk, your average Joe and Joan witch aren't going to be connected to people like that. They're mm-hmm. going to be, like, depending on the books that they can buy and the healthcare that they can afford at St. Mungo's because they can't figure out how to get their daughter off the roof because she keeps floating like you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay uh what about just basic like bills and taxes and rent and mortgage and stuff all right um so a lot of the research that i said is like oh there's no taxation in the wizarding world because we don't (laughs) see any evidence of it and i'm like well the books are told from harry's perspective and harry isn't paying taxes because he's a child (laughs) why would you just assume there's no taxation (laughs) I certainly think there's a lot of taxation, especially for crimes, because, like, not everything can send you to jail, right? There's certain things we know send you to jail, like lying about being an animagus and shit like that. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about, like, fees. like Yeah, yeah. Playing a tax. But I certainly think... I meant, like, just, like, goods and services tax. Income tax, like taxes that you pay to the government. Yeah, I reckon so. (laughs) I just think that, (laughs) that that's true, because, like, I reckon people like Lucius Malfoy get out of applying a lot of their taxes because they have such political influence. Pay, they pay bribes instead of taxes. Exactly. And then people like the Weasleys are severely dis- disempowered and disenfranchised by that because they have to yeah. pay a lot more taxes because technically Arthur works for the government, but you know, she has, he has such a shit position. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just think like in order for something like Hogwarts to be completely free to the students, mm. it's going to take a massive amount of money to run. Mm-hmm. Although does it? Because all of the facilities are, like, centuries old. You've got to pay the staff wages, obviously. But mm. students supply all their own supplies. Except for those that need the special fund. Except for the, yeah, the special fund. Yeah. The Is food. it massively expensive? Like, it's got to be expensive to run Hogwarts, but not crazy expensive. There's the food. 
um, the they food. don't really have a farm. They have like Hagrid's little cabbage patch, but they don't really yeah. have a farm on on site. Yeah, they don't There's... have like an agriculture department. They have the, their own hospital yeah. wing. They have um, the greenhouse, which could grow some magical plants, but they might need to import other ones for study. Mm-hmm. Um, things like potions and, and ingredients like that, they need to buy those from Diagon Alley or Hogsmeade. Yeah, famously in second year, everyone was getting petrified. And it's like, well, we need to mm. wait for these mandrakes to grow up. It's like, can you not buy mandrakes? Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> you apparently can't go to the store and buy mandrakes. Can the school not afford that? Students are being no. petrified. What the fuck's happening here? <laughs> Maybe the implication is the mandrakes needed to be stewed and like cut up and stewed fresh and transporting mandrakes is too dangerous. So maybe that's why. But sure. (laughs) Surely you could find like a potioner or a herbologist or something somewhere in the world and be Mm -hmm. like, we need this potion now. Make it for us. Yeah, you'd think. There's nowhere in the world that has matured mandrakes ready for purchase. But transport. <laughs> we'll make the potion then. Transport as the potion. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, Can look. Snape not go somewhere with Mandrakes and make the potion there? Why does he have to wait for the Mandrakes to come to him? The only thing I can think about that concerns international trade and goods and services is the magic carpets thing and the broomsticks thing, right? Yes. So that's like probably the only thing I can remember about in the series where I think it's Cornelius Fudge is talking mm-hmm. to some ambassador from a different country. I don't remember where. And he's like, oh, no, we don't want any magic carpets here. We're quite attached to our humble broomstick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, the magic carpet is a great option for the entire family to be flying yeah. around. And, and they're like, no, they're banned in Britain. Yeah. God. Yeah. It just, it just reeks of uh, racism to me. Oh, <laughs> like, it is. It makes me think that a lot of the other kind of international trade that's going on, if there is any going on, is very limited. Like, Mm. they're not even living in fucking magic carpets. That's a great investment. Because, like you said, it's the family package. And it's for people who can't afford or fly a broom very Mm -hmm. well. Like, it's a very cheap alternative that could have a great impact on the market. Like, it's just very odd. Yeah, it it is odd. And, like, it's part of the isolationism of the wizarding community, right? Like, they don't even talk to their own neighbors or the muggles and trade with them. Mm -hmm. Because trade comes from... um, thinking that, you know, the other party has something that you want trading with and muggle and wizards don't think muggles have anything worth trading, even ideas or knowledge. And yeah. trust. There's no trust between muggles and wizards. So well, Yeah, well there's no communication between muggles and wizards. There can't yeah, be any they trust. It's secret. Yeah. So it really makes me think that like in terms of international trade it's just not happening very often. Mm. It also is so interesting that like we glean so much from a conversation that Harry overhears between two people. <laughs> yeah. Like yet again, I really get the sense that the Wizarding World is a lot bigger and more complicated than what we see. Oh, because yeah. again, another criticism I was seeing is like, oh, here's Diagon Alley, and here's the list of all the stores in Diagon Alley, and it was a list of like ten stores, and they're all for school supplies. And it's like, well, no, mm, no. <laughs> those aren't all the stores that exist in Diagon Alley. Those are all the stores that Harry mentions because they're the only ones he's going to. Mm-hmm. There's got to be like a furniture store or something that Harry just doesn't go into because he's not furnishing his house because he's 11 years old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Stuff like that drives me nuts when they're like, (laughs) oh, the Wizarding World is only for children. It's like, no, we're just only seeing the child's version of the Wizarding World. It must exist for adults as well. Well, it's definitely, 
in a way, also just for children on a meta level because mm. Rowling wrote it like that. She wrote it to be about a magical school. And yeah, she of had, course. When she was forced to expand that universe, she really struggled to because it didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... That's yeah, fine. It's a children's that. series. Like, we only <laughs> see the part of the world that's relevant to Harry because he's our point of view character. <laughs> we just know that there is a government and there is an economy and we have to glean how it works from the scant clues that we've been given. Let's talk a bit about that economy. I want to talk about something quickly. Okay. So, scarcity and inequality exists when it comes to resources like money and food. So, we, yeah. we understand this. There's also... No arts or social sciences taught at Hogwarts, with the exception of history of magic. History of magic is the only kind of hizzy subject. Yeah, um, and like 12 different mag- uh, musical subjects. Oh, yeah, of course. But that's not like the official list, whatever. Um, yeah. All the other classes are basically about making money or capital, right? So you've got are things they? like, well, except for defense against the dark arts, but you've got things like potions, right? Mm-hmm. You gather a bunch of ingredients, you make a potion. You know what you can do with that potion? You can sell it. Herbology. <laughs> you take care of these plants, you can use these plants for a bunch of remedies and magical shit. You know what you can do with these plants? You can sell them. <laughs> Quidditch. Fucking flying class. Oh yeah, this helps you get around from A to B, but you also know what you can do with flying. You can become a Quidditch player. Um, well, give me another example. Charms, you know? You can charm this like mood ring so that it changes colour depending on someone's mood. You know what you can do with that ring? You can sell it. <laughs> I'm like, confused by what point you're making here. <laughs> I'm just making the point that, like, we have a lot of, like, okay, so in the real world, we have classes that are, like, important for us to understand society and to contribute to a capitalist society, right? So we have things like math. We have things like yeah. science. We have things like legal studies, etc. And then we have our more artistic classes, which are important for understanding society, but not necessarily for making capital. So there's things like drama music english these sorts of Uh things i just think that there's a certain lack of that in the educational system and more of a focus on classes and pastimes encouraging children to have pastimes and focuses that are about making capital i disagree (laughs) okay put me wrong okay i just your whole argument i completely disagree with (laughs) because it seems so strange so you're saying that like everything that the students learn in school can be extrapolated out into like a job or profession which they can use to make money. Yeah, I'm getting more into the jobs and professions, but I'm starting. Yeah, there. yeah. And I would say that that is the same case for Muggle school as well. Everything yeah. that we learn in Muggle school can be extrapolated out into a profession. Mm-hmm. I could use math to go on and become an engineer. I yeah, didn't, yeah. but I could have. I can use drama to go on and become an actor. Mm-hmm. I just don't see a difference between the two. I like, just... we learn a lot of useless shit in school that we don't use in our careers, same same as at a magical school. And we learn, like, relevant skills that we need in our careers, same as at magic school. Yeah, but there's... Okay, so in the magical world, careers are different, right? So, yes, you can learn mm. drama in school, and maybe if you're lucky and skinny and pretty, you can become an actor. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, in the Wizarding World, it's different. There's a few jobs. There's the government bureaucratic sort of jobs in the Ministry of Magic, which I can't think of a single subject that prepares you for a job like that, but whatever. Yeah, there's an the, admin subject. Yeah, like, I guess in every subject, they have to learn how to write essays and research, I suppose. So maybe that yeah, somewhat the, contributes. We had, but, like, yeah. we had economics class, which obviously neither of us paid attention to or did well in. I didn't have we also had, like... Class. Didn't you? No. You would have had, um, well, it wasn't called that. It was called commerce. And you'd take oh, it in yeah, like yeah, year commerce, seven and eight. Yeah. 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 You'd, you would have had to choose to go on to economics in like years nine and 10, 11, 12. And neither of us did. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We had, like, legal studies, we had history, like you said. Like, all the things that you would need to understand the government and go Mm -hmm. into IR, for example. Yeah, but there's no subjects like that. No, there aren't. So, like, that's just one point. Mm -hmm. Then there's the other professions, right? There's Quidditch player, there's journalists, where you're a corrupt, bad journalist that doesn't actually report real things. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's essentially shopkeeper or business owner, right? Those are, like, kind of the four... Healer. Healers, obviously, yeah, healers, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, okay, the thing with shopkeepers, all the businesses that we hear about, and I know that you've made the point already that Harry interacts with only a small amount of the businesses, but Mm -hmm. let's just talk about this. All the businesses are, like, centuries old, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well-established. Yeah, Basically, their roots go way back. Maybe they're, Mm -hmm. like, lineage businesses, like, legacy stuff, like, they're a name brand. And... Okay, how how can you compete? Like, we've seen one example of how you can be an upstarter in the market. We've got mm. the Weasley twins, right? Yeah. Like, they are doing jokes and practical jokes and shit like that. So it's like mm-hmm. Zonkos, right? Basically the same as Zonkos, but I guess they have their own brand and their own ideas. Yeah, they set um, up a competitor to Zonkos and yeah. are basically trying to corner them out of the market or at least yeah. compete with them in the market. The only way that they're able to do that is through the investment that Harry gives them. If they yeah. had never gotten that investment, they would have never taken off the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, capitalism, obviously. But like, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse than the capitalism that we have in the real world because there's such this like insular, deep-rooted sense of like name recognition and already existing privilege, right? So mm-hmm. the Weasley name is recognizable. Everyone knows who the Weasleys are, but they're not privileged. They don't have any money. They don't have any, like, long, he- long-standing legacy of, like, interest mm-hmm. in business and, and, like, stuff like that. And entrepreneurial, like, entrepreneurism. So, I just think if you're, uh, like, if you're coming into the wizarding world being like, yeah, I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to go into the world of business. Like, you, it's so hard to just go into the world of business. <laughs> like, it's just not really an option for you unless you have great privilege, wealth, status already. Or, or are a pureblood. Like, if you're a muggle-born... How do you participate economically in the wizarding world without going into a job like a ministry job or something like that? Yeah, I would say that was isn't too different from the muggle world. Like you can start a business, but most yeah. businesses fail within the first of year course. or two years or whatever. Like it's yeah. hard to break into the economy and be successful. Of course, I understand that. And I understand that there are differences in privilege. Like obviously if you come from a wealthy privileged background, life is easy for you. And that's the mm-hmm. same in the wizarding world. But it's it's magnified it's it's intensified and yeah. even more in the wizarding world because it's so insular and so pure yeah. driven like it's I a deeply classist and stratified yeah. society it's, definitely it's it's basically impossible if you're a muggle-born wizard who is interested in making money in the business sense to get started in that at all unless you have the help of a wealthy friend like harry mm-hmm. Potter. like it's just impossible yeah, I wouldn't say impossible. Like, the Weasley twins were setting up their business before Harry gave them their massive start alone. Yeah. And, like, they were getting a reasonable amount of success. But I I think they would have still managed to set up a shop. It just would have taken a lot longer and been a lot more precarious without this massive startup fund from their silent investor, Harry Potter. Yeah, they would have eventually, over years and years and years, maybe even, yeah. like, their whole lifetimes, maybe been able to set up a shop. Mm-hmm. But... Even then, they're purebloods. They have the name connection, right? Yeah, I don't know if, like, the Weasley name is a recognized brand is really something you can say. No, of course not. But, like, they're able to go up to any other business person and be like, oh, I'm Mr. Weasley. 
mm-hmm. and that business person who's basically probably going to be a pure blood is like oh i know the weasleys there's yeah. at least that small level <laughs> yeah because it's a small insular community yeah. But, like, obviously they don't have the same influence as, like, a name like Malfoy, which is, like, associated not only with, like, pure blood status, but wealth and money and lineage mm-hmm. and shit like that and political influence. But they still have slightly amount of recognition. If you're mm-hmm. going up to people being like, oh, I'm Granger, they're like, oh, fuck you. I don't care who you are. Get out of my shop. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not happening. Yeah, I think that's the case. Definitely it's harder for Muggleborns to break into society because you effectively... It's like being an immigrant where you have to mm-hmm. leave the country where you're known and have a community and understand the values and move to a different country with completely different, you know, language, values, culture, economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's incredibly hard. Yeah. That's the point I'm making. Is mm, that like, I agree. It's like our world in capitalism, but just significantly worse. <laughs> like so mm. much more capitalist. Like that's the point I was making. Um, yeah. Do you want to make a point now? <laughs> <Essentially>. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. I thought you were going somewhere different with that. <laughs> no. It's hard. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about the coins and the values of the coins. Once sure. again, basic shit that I'm introducing 45 minutes into the episode. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this is back to like, why is the wizarding money system whimsical rather than functional? Mm-hmm. So we have three coins, mm-hmm. nuts, sickles, galleons. There are 29 nuts to a sickle and 17 sickles to a galleon. Yep. That drives me nuts. It makes me so mad. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, because those numbers, 29 and 17, are so close to 30 and 15. Mm, Yeah. And, like... Yeah. (laughs) That could make a lot more sense. It would make a lot more sense. It it would make much more sense, but it would still be a lot more easy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's not... Everything should be the metric system. Everything should be clean, 10, 10, 10. Easy. Done. But, like, at least if it was 15 into 30, like, 15 is half of 30. You can at least... (laughs) It's it's at least easier. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, and there's no decimals either. There's no such thing as, like, half a nut or half a sickle or whatever. No. Yeah. (sighs) So, when it came to, like, converting those values into muggle money, JK has said that a galleon is five pounds. Which, to put it into Australian dollars, sorry, rest of the world, we're doing our own currency. You can Google what it means in your currency. (laughs) A galleon is about $9. Okay. A sickle is about 55 cents. And a nut is about 2 cents. (laughs) Okay. Rubbish. So that's what JK says. But then that doesn't make sense. (laughs) In terms of, like, how much things cost, it doesn't actually translate. It doesn't work. Yeah, so a wand's like seven galleons, right? A wand's about seven galleons, which so would be about 70 36. bucks. 60 to 70 bucks. Oh, wow. My math's so off. Um, <laughs> $36. <laughs> no. I said one galleon yeah. is about $9. Yeah, so nine just... times seven, 36. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, how I did that math was I'm like, oh, 10 times seven is 70. Right. And take away nine is about 61. Mm, yeah, 63. <laughs> it's right. like 60 to $70. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's also like a long-standing plot hole that people have pointed out a million times where like each of the components of a wand, like phoenix feather, mm-hmm. um, unicorn hair and shit, the components themselves cost more than the wands do. Yeah. Therefore, Ollivanders is operating at a loss because it has to be if they're making their wands. Anyway, that's just a long-standing plot hole. Elvenus might be operating at a loss unless 
breaking your wand is so easy, which it kind of is, but no, people because are really careful it, with them. If it costs more to create the wands than they make selling the wands, then mm-hmm. they have to be losing money. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Like, I yeah. don't know how business works, but I understand that basic principle. Yeah, well, like, it doesn't matter how many wands they sell then. If every wand costs them more to make, then mm-hmm. they're losing money. Yeah. Unless they're, like, propped up by ministry investment or something. Mm. Which is possible. Remember when that we did that hypothetical where I said that if I got the Elder Wand, I would just, like, start a business where I was, like, fixing broken wands and shit? That was good. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, wand repair. Is that a thing? Doesn't seem like it. Seems like if you break your wand, you just got to get a new one. Yeah. You're fucked if you break your wand. Yeah. That would be a good business idea. Well done. Muggle-born. Breaking into the industry. It is possible. <laughs> Only if you have the elder one. So yeah. If you're the most powerful, powerful person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once again, it's all about power, baby. So oh, look, it's... I'm a muggle-born, but I was able to buy 12 properties. <laughs> do you know how I did it? I have billions of dollars. Yeah. All you got to do is stop buying avocado. <laughs> With this simple investment of a thousand galleons from my friend Harry Potter, the most famous boy in the world, I, your humble narrator, was able to set up a business. Yeah, it's that easy, guys. Yeah. So I found a Reddit post by Reddit user Orby is my homie. Who basically went through the entire series and every time there was any sort of price or value given for anything, and from there <laughs> extrapolated what the money is actually worth because JK's <laughs> bad at math and didn't do it good. <laughs> so That's they funny. say that a galleon is worth about $25, and I would assume this is American dollars because I'm just yes, going to guess this person's American. Okay. They're, not, they're not English because they're not saying pounds. Yeah. So a galleon's about $25, a sickle is about $1.50, and a nut is about $0.05. Cents. Have you converted that to Australian? No, I did not. Because <laughs> I'm, like, that? close enough. <laughs> no, it's not! <laughs> oh, God. Do you want to do it now, then? Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> what did you say? Fucking Australian. AUD to USD. A galleon would be $25. Okay, hold on. That's going to be about 30 Australian. So 25 US. Yeah, 34 Australian. 34 Australian. A sickle is $1.50. 2.00. And a nut is 5 cents. Okay. That'll be like 6 cents or whatever. Uh, $6.90. Oh, wait. What? (laughs) I need decimal decimal point. Yeah, 70 cents. Yeah. 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 So not that far off. No, not 70 cents, sorry. That's, like, wrong. Like, six cents. Okay, seven cents. Yeah, it can't be 70 cents. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 35 yeah. bucks. All right. For a galleon. Yeah, 35 bucks for a galleon. And, yeah. Uh, from there, they're able to figure out that this is, again, in Ast- American dollars, because I didn't translate all of these prices. This is the reason why I didn't do it. Uh, seven galleons, a wand is about $175. That seems way more likely. In terms of how much it's worth, instead of thirty-five dollars, which was what JK's or thirty-five pounds, which is what JK's guess would have come to. Right. Yeah. Um, and it means that they gave he gave Fred and George about twenty-five thousand dollars to start up their business. Twenty-five thousand. Yeah. Okay. Which is the prize money of the Tribal Tournament? Yeah, they're just okay. About twenty-five thousand. Mm. I thought it'd be like at least a hundred thousand or something for the prize money. Mm. 
Hmm. Um, it means that Dobby makes about $25 a week because he makes a galleon a week. Right. And he was offered $250 a week by Dumbledore, but turned it down. Uh, when Harry was on the run and there was a reward for his capture, his reward was about $2.5 million. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'll post a link to this Reddit post where he just basically went through all of the prices and worked them out. Because I think it makes a lot more sense than whatever JK said. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's all. Okay. I just think there's a better money, money version than whatever JK was saying. <laughs> I basically have two more points about capitalism and money. Mm-hmm. One of them is my stuff about the goblins and let's talk about the goblins, I guess. Yes. Um, the goblins. Let's save goblins for now because I've got more points about the economy. Okay. Um, my only other point about the economy is I guess more of a meta point, which is like looking at how wealth is framed in terms of characterization and good and evil. Okay. So like, yeah, definitely. Um, many, many of the evil characters we see, including death eaters come from lineage or wealth or mm-hmm. money. Compare this to the good characters, the Weasleys who are poor and equalist when it comes to matters of class and politics. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of goodness associated with poverty, such as Hagrid, Lupin. And then there's a complex example of Snape. So Snape was raised not wealthy he was raised in a disadvantaged situation he had secondhand clothing he had clothing that didn't fit all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. secondhand books from the school but rather than this wealth and poverty making him a good character that chose to make humble good equal choices he was driven towards badness <laughs> and there's mm. a similar connotation with Voldemort right like Voldemort was raised as disadvantaged as you can possibly get you know he's an mm-hmm. orphan he has no name property wealth to himself um but he still covets like rare and like high value items Mm -hmm. and things like that and i was wondering like obviously his obsession with being pure blood and blood purity comes from this obsession with magical power and he wants to be powerful and mortal and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but there's also might be this other connotation that he associates with magical purity and magical um, power, which is wealth, because mm-hmm. all of these old families that he was interacting with in Hogwarts were extremely wealthy and had this name recognition and this lineage and this, like, and that would have been something that really drew him to them, I think, as well. So that's just an interesting dive I was doing into the representations of good and evil and stuff like that, because, like, talking about economics and capitalism in the context of Harry Potter is wild because. A key theme of Harry Potter is inequality and Mm -hmm. how inequality is the root of evil, right? (laughs) And we must make sure that we have a more equal society. Uh, The JK of 20 years ago. (laughs) We can all live together peacefully and in love. But but obviously JK Rowling doesn't have any understanding of what creates inequality and what manifests in inequality. Like Mm -hmm. she has this idea of the Muggleborns as like, you know, wizards that aren't pure blood, and basically the only way that that manifests in terms of inequality is they occasionally get called a slur. Yeah. Like, and obviously there's this whole civil war from a bunch of Nazis and shit like that. But the thing I was bringing up about, like, how Muggleborns can't economically participate in the same way that other wizards can. Mm-hmm. Muggleborns are culturally uh, and historically removed from society. Like, they have to completely adapt and take on wizarding society and basically disenfranchise themselves in their own original families and histories. Yeah. Like, J.K. Rowling just doesn't take time to explore that or bother to go into that because she doesn't understand how inequality works. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just... I guess I was just thinking about all of that in a big, like, mess of thoughts. 
um, <laughs> when I was doing my look into econo- economics and capitalism in the series. And I don't really know if I have an answer, like a definitive one-to-one being like wealth bad, poor good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because obviously we have exceptions like Harry. Yeah, I is... was waiting for you to mention Harry. Yeah, Harry who's extremely wealthy. He is half-blood, but that's still he has the, the attachment to the Potter name, which is like a pure-blood family. But he was raised in poverty and... Yeah. Harry and, was raised in yeah. absolute poverty where, like, he didn't yeah. own anything. I think he even has to, like, steal a broken alarm clock and fix it in order to yeah. wake up in time. Harry was raised Cinderella, right? Like, he was mm-hmm. raised as a, as a servant in his own family and yeah. stuff like that. And then and he meets he's... Prince Charming, Hagrid, who takes him <laughs> to his Gringotts vaults. Yeah. And suddenly he's wealthy beyond his wildest imaginings. Yeah, but Harry's sort of still dislocated from his own wealth like he doesn't understand um where that wealth came from and doesn't seem to have any sense of responsibility for Mm -hmm. the potion empire that he's kind of responsible for yeah um he doesn't care about money he just gives it to his friends he doesn't see it as something that's going to secure his own financial future because he doesn't really see himself as having a future but anyway it's just like i'm trying to create a definitive statement for what the series is trying to tell us about wealth and capital and good and bad and i can't (laughs) so i need your help (laughs) here's what i think okay you gotta think that jk started this series when she was living in poverty yeah she was raised in middle class like circumstances but then yeah i think lower middle class no i mean her parents were like scientists and shit like that she was getting bank um okay never mind but then lived in a poverty situation but still was able to live with friends so she had some kind of social network yeah she wasn't homeless as she claims but um yeah well she was homeless but she was she didn't own her own home like she wasn't paying her own rent she She was was... unhoused but she wasn't living on the streets yeah she wasn't living a lot of people hear that she was homeless and think that she was living on the streets and then feel like they've been lied to when they find Mm -hmm. out she was effectively couch surfing and living with different people yeah, but that's still a form of homelessness. Oh yeah, she was certainly in a terrible financial place for mm-hmm. a long time, and that's a significant thing as to why she's included the series. The, yeah. this aspect of wealth into the series. Yeah, the idea that like you know she was going to cafes and bars and stuff and writing there because she couldn't have heat at her place because she couldn't afford it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was in a state of poverty when she was writing these books. So earlier on in the books, poverty is associated with goodness mm-hmm. and wealth is associated with badness the malfoys and the weasleys then her books become massively massively successful and she Mm -hmm. gets a shitload of money yes and by the end of the series we're seeing voldemort and snape coming in who are bad people who are also poor Hmm. the themes have become muddled because her circumstances have changed so rapidly and what we now know about her 20 years in the future is that she apparently has no like willpower like her brain is just affected by whatever she's told yeah like <laughs> she can't like yeah like a toddler <laughs> yeah dragging jk again this episode <laughs> so yeah she the same thing happened to her that happens to anyone who gets a lot of money is they turn evil <laughs> except harry harry didn't turn evil harry's fine <laughs> <laughs> When you get a lot of money, it changes your entire... This like There have been actual studies on this. Yeah. When you become rapidly, rapidly rich, it changes your entire perspective on like wealth and greed and like the value that things should be placed... The value that should be placed upon things. So like her whole just worldview changed mm. and she started 
maybe not even consciously associating poverty with badness and wealth with goodness. Mm -hmm. And so when she was writing bad characters in the later books, she made them poor and made their poorness a despicable quality. Interesting. Yeah, she probably did it without even thinking about it, because as she does so many things. I mean, I think she intended Snape's character to be good, but I don't know. <laughs> like, I see him as despicable, so I can can agree with your point there. Mm. Well, like, even just straight up, the idea that Voldemort is raised as a penniless orphan, and mm-hmm. then he is a bad person for coveting other people's things, which starts out as, like, yo-yos the other children yeah, have, or whatever. he steals, like, a nickel and an egg cup and shit. Like... Yeah. <laughs> as, like, he would have been growing up in the depression <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of like 1920s little orphan boy objects and what he yeah. came up with was an egg cup <laughs> <laughs> yeah not a toy but okay <laughs> yeah and it's like oh as punishment for this he gets his wardrobe set on fire and believes that all of his earthly possessions are being burned before his very eyes yeah like <laughs> a truly fucked thing but harry <laughs> who was also raised a penniless orphan gets this massive amount of wealth delivered to him basically through inheritance, through absolutely no work of it on his own. Mm-hmm. And then we see Harry wandering around being like, I want to buy a solid gold cauldron. I want to buy solid gold <laughs> gobstones. And that's like, haha, childish innocence and not a deeply, mm. not like a sign of a deeply um, terrible character flaw that must be punished and like a sign of his evil to come. True, true, good point. Yeah. Voldemort That's was evil because he stole. Yeah, Voldemort is evil because at age eleven he stole a yo-yo from another orphan. <laughs> Harry is not evil because he wants a solid gold cauldron, <laughs> and is thinking of spending just so much of his savings on a broom that he doesn't need because he already has a good broom. Yeah, um, literally, like he covets the firebolt so much, and that's such a like. A plot point in book three mm. is he wants that firebolt so badly. Mm. But then he's like, oh, I've really got to think about saving all this money for, like, my future. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Like, he has that thought in the back of his mind, like, I can't just buy, like, a $16 million firebolt because, like, yeah. I might need a house one day. Exactly. <laughs> like... The only reason why he doesn't do it is because he's like, I can't, I can't spend literally all the money I have on this firebolt. Mm. Even though... He probably could spend a lot of money on the firebolt because I don't think Harry really knows where his money comes from. He knows no, he gets he it from his parents. Yeah. But I don't think he understands that, like, he owns... Sleekeasies. He owns Sleekeasies. <laughs> or, like, he's getting, at the very least, royalties from Sleekeasies. So that money isn't just sitting there. He's earning yeah. more money passively just by yeah. living. Maybe he, he, does, also... he definitely has no idea about that. No, he doesn't. Maybe he also subconsciously thinks that, I don't need to buy the firebolt. Someone will buy it for me. And he's right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's right he's it right. does happen <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's just good stuff i i guess all i have left to talk now about is the the goblins and i we need to talk about them unless you have something else you want to add to this yeah well i wanted to talk a little bit about the like physical money sure. which i've already done about the coins and shit but like it's it really seems like everyone is carrying around like a sack Mm -hmm. of coins with them everywhere they go actually i wanted to talk about this too yeah why is it like that like we have invisible money in our world and we Mm -hmm. have the idea of like deeds and and stuff like that like you have a deed to a property and you have yeah investments you can't just get a loan from gringotts bank that's not they're not a bank they're a fucking safe you just yes yeah we've got to talk about gringotts as well we haven't really (laughs) talked about gringotts yet this episode's gonna be fucking long sorry it's the economy like it's a whole thing (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. So, originally I was thinking, there's no credit in this world. It's all physical, real money. Like, yeah. I think when the Hogwarts teachers get paid, like, the goblins go into Hogwarts Vault, which I guess mm-hmm. is supplied by the Ministry, take money out of Hogwarts Vault, take it to the teacher's vault and put the coins there, and that's how they get yeah. paid. And then yeah. if they want money, they have to travel to Gringotts and take the muzzy- money physically from the vault. Yep, 100%. Yeah. That's what's happening. Okay, good. <laughs> We're both on the same page. Because there's talk in book five, I believe, like, oh, there's now a five-hour wait to get money out of your vault. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like I can walk into um, Madame Malkin's and be like, I need a new set of robes, charge it to my Gringotts vault, here's the number. No. Like how I would with a credit card or a debit card in the real world. No. Like, I don't have to take my money into the IGA. I can just flash a card and that somehow it comes out of my bank account. <laughs> it's all invisible. We don't know. Somehow. How <laughs> somehow. <laughs> through electricity. So, like, even even though they don't have, you know, FPOS machines, they should still be able to do that with, like, a money order or a check or something. Yeah. Like, paper. Some but it kind of magical s- fucking card, okay? Yeah. It doesn't seem like they do. But there is the one exception, which is when Gringotts... When, sorry, when Gringotts... When Sirius Black... Mm-hmm. buys the firebolt because how he does that is he writes down on a piece of paper i want to buy one firebolt take the money out of this account ties it to the collar of a cat and sends the cat into quality quidditch supplies yep <laughs> i actually think he sends the cat to the post office and the post office sends the letter to quality quidditch supplies yes so it is possible i would assume for a large enough purchase for it to be charged directly to your gringotts vault Maybe, or maybe it was name recognition. But then again, he couldn't. Okay, if you're it can't the be. He was on yeah, the run. He was on the run. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. It can't be like, like I'm Sirius Black. <laughs> Get my money. Because <laughs> obviously, if you're like Lucius Malfoy and you want to buy your son's team sixteen fucking Nimbus two thousand ones, yeah, you can do that. You can like just put in like you can just go to the fucking store or like send them a letter being like I'm Lucius Malfoy. Do it. Yeah, but, I don't like, think you have to carry sixty thousand galleons into the store. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, it must be that, like, maybe the vault's number itself was enough to... Like, maybe the quality credit supply owner was like, oh, this is bullshit. But then he took it to the bank, and the bank was like, oh, no, this is, like, a fucking intense vault. This is, like, a, the black vault. Like, yeah. you know... <laughs> I don't Which, know. It's also very interesting that if you're a criminal and you're sentenced to a lifetime sentence in Azkaban, the goblins still keep all of your gold, and, like, the ministry can't cut off your funds or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It the ministry definitely doesn't have jurisdiction over Gringotts. Like they can't freeze Sirius Black's account. So I think theoretically, if Sirius Black had made it into Gringotts without being detected, he could have been like, I want some money out of my vault, please, and the goblins maybe wouldn't have called the cops on him. They would have just given him his money and sent him on his way. Yeah, it seems like the Gringotts and the Goblins work outside the jurisdiction of the government. Because also think of Grimmauld Place. Like that was Black's property that was uh-huh. had like some kind of deed or ownership of that house. And it wasn't like that yeah. was handed over to the ministry or anything like that. Or any kind of public good administration like what they yeah, do. Yeah, it with, definitely like, wasn't you know. seized by the government. No. It was just yeah. sitting there. He was able and he was able to will it to Harry on his death. And we know that Sirius's vault got emptied and the contents added to Harry's. So Harry didn't inherit the vault itself, but he got all the contents. Yeah, which would have made him even more rich. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's a wealthy boy. <laughs> so, I just wanted to point out that muggles have had paper money since the 11th century. And we've had <laughs> bills of exchange, which is the earliest form of credit since the 18th century. Mm-hmm. And wizards are still carrying around their heavy coins. Yeah. 
I really feel like it's coins for like 90% of purchases and then for big shit like brooms which are massively expensive and houses and stuff you can charge it directly to your vault yeah and the goblins just straight up remove that amount of galleons or gold or silver or whatever from your vault and take it to another vault and leave it there and that's how money is exchanged yeah yeah 100% great cool (laughs) (laughs) okay we should talk about Gringotts yeah let's talk about Gringotts let's talk about the goblins I think before we even get started on the goblins, like I already, I already, I know I already got a bit started at the beginning mm-hmm. of this episode, but we need to bring up anti-Semitism, right? And yes, the, of course. The trope. Yeah, God, we should have said it at the top of the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's, it's so clear to me. Like, there's plenty, there's plenty of people out there who try to be like, oh no, she's just drawing from fantasy tropes. Bullshit she is. Like, the idea that like goblins and loathsome little creatures sure that's in a lot of fantasy like mm-hmm. books like Tolkien and stuff like that and the existing lore and myth around goblins yeah but never before had they been money lenders and sitting behind a desk controlling all the gold like that mm-hmm. was something that was uniquely rolling yeah um oh yeah I think like the idea that you know goblins are like greedy despicable mung- money hungry little thing like that comes from the folklore and the folklore itself is anti-semitic mm-hmm yeah. But yeah, then the decision to turn them into the bankers who are distinctly not human and also have like literal control over the entire economy mm-hmm. and are hated by everyone. There's like a quote from a Death Eater that's like, we hate our little long fingered friends. They're despicable. Yeah. I would get rid of them, but we need money. Yeah, it's it's not good. Like, And yeah. also the description of their features just goes into anti-Semitic tropes. It's just mm-hmm. not good. Like, yeah yeah it's bad bad there's not like neither of us are jewish there's probably not really much nuance we can add to this conversation that hasn't been done before other than calling it out as terrible yeah no um what else have i got to say about goblins oh yeah just my argument around i think that they control the means of production in a sense like i think that they control Mm. the metals and that they can manipulate the metals magically like i think that's what goblin magic is you know they create these incredible jewels and weapons and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i think because i was trying to look into the goblin rebellions because they've always fascinated me yeah there's not a lot of information on the goblin rebellions there really and isn't it, and what we do know is grim yeah what we do know is that goblins were systematically killed by some fella just a yeah. wizard that was just going around systematically serial murdering goblins for no yeah reason. just like a literally a serial killer who was targeting yeah. goblins and then they put his name and face on a chocolate frog card because why not that's cool um, yeah and that was the source of one of the goblin rebellions they were like please stop this maniac from yeah. killing us and presumably the us? government was like no and that's why there was a rebellion yeah another source of a rebellion is um goblins being treated like elves like slaves mm-hmm um yeah there was a movement to literally enslave them yeah like the house elves and they rebelled against that Um, (laughs) shocking another one another big source which must have happened i think the most recently is goblins saying that they um want to use wands they want to have the same access to wands as wizards do and then the government i presume made some sort of legislation on wands saying no you can't yeah it's it's literally illegal for non-human creatures to use wands fucked yeah real fucked yeah they're literally just an oppressed class oppressed yeah. race and not just goblins too like we also know this happens to elves centaurs any non-human can't use a wand mm-hmm. so technically would lupin be allowed to use a wand if people knew he was a werewolf 
Oh, interesting. I would say yes, because he's still a human. He's just a human with like a medical condition and the medical condition is deeply stigmatized and like he can't mm. work, he can't be around children and all that sort of shit, but he's still able to use a wand. Okay. But yeah, anyway, back to goblins. Mm. Yeah. Um, real grim. Real grim. Like basically I wanted to learn more about what what happened in these rebellions. Like how did the goblins fight? Like did they mm-hmm. get close to winning? Did they ever win one of these rebellions? I don't know. Like, yeah. they obviously would have won the enslavement one because we know that they're not enslaved like house elves. Mm-hmm. But they still are second-class citizens like house elves. And they could despise even more than house elves by wizards. Like... What... Yeah. I wish there was more information on the Goblin Rebellions. We wanted to do an entire episode on the Goblin Rebellions and decided not to, basically just because there isn't enough information and we thought we could combine it into the economy one. Mm-hmm. We've only got a year, guys. We've got to be efficient. Yeah. My question about the Goblin Rebellions is what happens to Gringotts and the economy during these rebellions? I think there was mention of, like, the wizards tried to take over Gringotts at some point. The the Ministry has had control of Gringotts at certain points. Yeah. But effectively, like, Gringotts was owned by the Goblins, then the Ministry took control of it, then the Ministry granted it back to the Goblins, then it was seized by the Ministry again for a short period. Like, it has gone back and forth. At the time the books are set, are set the Gringotts right. is owned and controlled by the goblins, except when Voldemort takes control. Yeah, when the Ministry it. swoops back in and takes control of it again. Hmm. So, if in fifth book there is like a five-hour wait for gold, and by the way, it's fucked that Bill can just take money out of Harry's vault. Oh, wait, what? That happens? Yeah, that happens. It's literally... Okay, let's go through this... No, hang on. Let's put a pin in that. I'll come back to that in a sec. <laughs> Yep. In fifth book, there's a five-hour wait for money. Sure. So, obviously, people are, like, scared, and there is effectively a bank rush. Everyone's trying to take their money out of the bank because everything's going bad, and they want they want, they want want to have access to their gold in sure. case things get worse, which does happen. And Voldemort takes control of the bank. So, surely, during every single one of these goblin rebellions, the goblins are like, well, our number one power move is we shut down the bank yep. and nobody takes money in or out, and that's grinds the economy to a halt. Yeah, that's how I assume the rebellions would be fought. Not like a mm-hmm. hot a hot conflict, like, you know, they're, they're um, going out into the streets and smashing property and killing wizards and wizards are killing goblins, but more like, you know, a cold conflict where they're shutting off more the like economy. More like a strike. Yeah, a strike. They're shutting off the economy and they're being like, we will not give you your money back until you give us our rights. Like, that's okay. how I assumed it went, but apparently not. Yeah, apparently there are actual bloody conflicts. Like, mm. there was a battle near Hogsmeade, and they were using, like, an unnamed bar, which has got to be either the Three Broomsticks or whatever. Hogshead. Aberforth's bar is Hogshead. Thank you. Mm. They've got to be using that as, like, their fortress, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was actual, like, fights. I was about to say physical fights, but probably more magical fights. Okay, it's got to be a combination of both. You would have to assume, like, if you were any sort of logical person, which maybe is not the case, because this is Harry Potter we're talking about. If I'm a goblin and I'm rebelling against wizard society, my first step is being like, well, we've got your money. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. you Come and get it. Yeah, exactly. Making Gringotts my fortress, because that's the obvious fortress point. Yes, it's the safest place. (laughs) Instead of some random bar next to Hogwarts, the wizard's greatest fortress... Anyway, stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's why the goblin... I think this is why there's still a power struggle between the goblins and the wizards, right? Mm -hmm. 
because wizards have this superior magical power because they have access to wand law. Yeah. Goblins have this superior economic power, and the reason why they're still clashing and one hasn't like completely eradicated the other is because they can't. There's this power imbalance. Right. So I think, like you said, goblins weren't enslaved. They didn't win the wand law battle, but they must have like slowly over the centuries or millennia have been like gaining, gaining, gaining rights because they have this economic powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. But the thing is like, I don't know if wizards know this, but economy is fake. Like they could just be like, mm. oh, actually we're not going to put our wealth in precious metals and precious stones and coins anymore. We're going to use boots to trade for everything. And everyone yeah. has to have a certain amount of boots to buy another pair of boots or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they could just decide that at any point. Yeah, it's, it's more complicated than that. But yes, like money is like a cultural, not a cultural, it's a um, mass consensus. We all decided yeah. money has currency value. and stuff like that. They could create a new mm. currency, which isn't one in control by an enemy, essentially. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. The Ministry of Magic could set up their own mint, effectively, mm-hmm. and be like, now, instead of galleons and sickles or whatever, we're transferring to tin coins, or paper yeah. money. Yeah. Now we're going to have cash, and instead of putting your money in Gringotts, you put your money in the Ministry Bank. Mm-hmm. So why don't they? Like, I mean, obviously they'd get another rebellion, um, but they, they've been able mm-hmm. to quash these rebellions before because, obviously, the power of having wands, and just numbers, I assume. Like, I think wizards might outnumber goblins, but that's... An assumption. I think so. Uh, that's an assumption on my part. But the only time we see goblins is in Gringotts. Yeah. And it's all men. Or <laughs> or sometimes doing crime. Yeah, do we see any female goblins? Not straight up, no. So okay. we don't know anything about... I mean, we, we assume that there might be two genders. We don't know if goblins have two genders or if there's more. Or yeah. We don't know. So we don't know anything but, of... You know, we don't see any female centaurs either. Like, Yeah. We don't know anything about goblin society or culture. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But yeah, I've always assumed that wizards outnumber goblins because goblins seem to have these intense powers and abilities and drive to want to Mm -hmm. have more rights than they do, but they just can't. They just can't get Mm -hmm. there, which makes me think they're outnumbered and out-resourced. Yeah, it must be a lack of a lack of numbers, a lack of magical power, definitely a lack of political power because political power comes from those mm-hmm. first two things because they've got the money, they've got wealth. Mm-hmm. But actually, no, because so much of wizarding wealth is like, oh, I've got these, you know, goblin-made mm-hmm. dishware or whatever. Sure. I've got this goblin-made crown or whatever. Yeah, and we know. That part of how goblins view property is that you, when you buy something goblin made, you effectively rent it for the period of your lifetime. So, throughout history, goblins have been making these, I would say, incredibly valuable and incredibly beautiful, like, masterworks of metal and stuff. And then the wizards have been, from the goblins' perspective, stealing these things from them. Mm Mm-hmm. So goblins might have had a lot of wealth that has been slowly whittled away over centuries and centuries, and now the wizards have taken all of their shit. Right. So your your assumption is like the goblins' creation of beautiful objects and weaponry and stuff is finite. It's not like they're constantly making new stuff. It's kind of like a rare thing for them. Or like, oh, maybe not a rare thing. I think they are constantly making new stuff. I just think that like... It's not as... It's not like the dwarves in uh, um, 
Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The dwarves yeah. are constantly mining and going deeper into the earth and making new weapons and shit like that. The goblins aren't doing that. Most of the time, most of the goblins that we see are working at the bank. Mm-hmm. And I guess like there's maybe some goblins craftsmen out there, like you know, that are creating new stuff and things like that all the time. But it's not, it's not like it's their constant activity so maybe like mm-hmm. a lot of their wealth as you said has just dwindled away over the years because it's been sold off to wizards who are never giving it back because wizards yeah. just hand it down as heirlooms that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking like from let's say like the goblin economy which i don't mm-hmm. think is maybe necessarily separate from the wizard economy but let's say that goblins were effectively being like okay so we've got these masterworks and we're like loaning them out to the wizards expecting that they will get them back mm-hmm. But then they never get them back, and that has terrible economic consequences internally within goblin society. Mm. And maybe not just economic too, but cultural like consequences. Like mm. if the, if oh, these definitely. if these masterworks are maybe the consequences of years of families of time and effort of like mm-hmm. maybe they have huge cultural significance outside of just the economy, but they're also like deeply deeply a part of the history of that family or the history of that goblin like it's it's interesting to think about yeah. it like that we know there was like one of the goblin rebellions was over gryffindor's sword mm-hmm. gryffindor stealing the sword from the goblins mm-hmm. it really seems like it's that way like i think that's fast i've never thought about it like that i always just assume they're just making new stuff all the time so i'm like well, why I think they... they are yeah and they are but i don't i i forgot to think about it culturally as well it's not just yeah. a matter of like economics and and like you know this is ours from like 600 years ago it's yeah it, that's their like if that if that is this the center of their entire people then yeah of course yeah <laughs> like, i think that makes sense yeah so i think that like we know that most of the wizard's wealth is in goblin control because they control the bank but I think also most of the goblin wealth is in wizard control mm-hmm. because wizards have just taken all of their shit and don't give it back and goblins are constantly trying to get their stuff back. And wizards are like, no, we own it. We bought it 800 years ago and we passed it down and down and down and now it's mine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> mm. Well, that sucks. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what more we're saying with this episode beyond here's how it looks like things are. They're yeah. deeply rooted in capitalism, worse than our own society. Um, and deeply deeply disenfranchising and creating ingrained inequalities and it's just never addressed in the series because it doesn't matter to harry's journey apparently or because jk rowling doesn't know how inequality works more accurately yeah um and it sucks yeah (laughs) this isn't really an episode of us solving the problems of the wizarding world this is an episode of us figuring out how something works in the wizarding world yeah and instead of us, sometimes we do that by being like, here's a problem, and we go away and we solve it, and then we come back and talk it through. This time, we don't have the ability to solve it because neither of us know enough about the economy. <laughs> so we're puzzling it out together in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> we're asking each other questions and trying to answer them with what we understand. And hopefully we've come to something. I think... <laughs> but yeah, we've come, we're more describing yeah. the Wizarding World. <laughs> I think we've come to some conclusions. One, the Wizarding World is deeply capitalist. Um, mm-hmm. Two... Uh, the books tell us that wealth is bad unless you gain it by doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Through inheritance. <laughs> Through inheritance. No, the Malfoys earn their money by doing nothing, True. but they use it for evil. Use Harry uses evil. money for good. He gives to charity and buys gifts for his friends. Does he give to and charity? wants to buy a massive racing broom, but doesn't. 
Yeah, okay. Um, wealth is bad unless you yourself are good. Then it's good, actually. Um, yeah, the series just doesn't have a consistent <laughs> standing when it comes to wealth because JK's circumstances change so rapidly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three, inequality is d- even more entrenched but not adequately explored or unpacked in the series. Mm-hmm. That's what I've gained from this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. How about you? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel like I understand the goblins a bit better than I did before we started doing this. Yeah. And I wish there was more information about them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is like a part of the books that the goblins are so deeply entrenched in society, but we just don't understand or know anything about them. And no one cares to. Like, even when, no one cares even to. when Hermione learns a bit more about goblins, she doesn't have the same empathy or sympathy towards them as she does with the house elves. She's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, fuck these gross little guys. She doesn't care. Yeah. Like, she's a one focus point that could have, like, dug deeper into the whole goblin side of thing. And mm-hmm. But she just never, never did. She kind of did with centaurs. She, like, you know, you could see that she was sympathetic. She definitely did with ourselves. She was a muggle-born herself. But we never got we never got her sympathy for goblins, which is, I guess, kind of rolling, telling us that we shouldn't have sympathy for goblins either. Yeah, this book straight up does that. Like, yeah. let's look at Grip Hook as a case study for a second here. Yeah. So he's Harry's introduction to the wizarding economy, basically. He's the one who takes them through Gringotts in the first book. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly described as, like, smiling evilly and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said nastily to Hagrid. Yeah. There's, like, that bit that always gets me every time where Harry's, like, Hagrid's, like, I'm feeling sick. Can the carts go slower? And Griphook's, like, one speed only, nastily. And then the next line is, the cart was gaining speed. Yeah. Moving deeper and gaining speed. Like, he was just speeding up to fuck with Hagrid because I guess he hates him. I don't know. Because he's just a mean little man. But he shouldn't hate Hagrid. Like, Hagrid's a poor giant guy like <laughs> yeah class solidarity <laughs> you know come on <laughs> i guess they just hate everyone who isn't goblins because they're inherently bad is the message mm. and then we meet him again in book seven and harry kind trusting empathetic harry tries to work with the goblins and like try to defeat voldemort break into gringotts get the horcrux you know his mission and bill is like bill who has worked with goblins his entire adult life Mm -hmm. is like you can't trust them the way that they see property is different from the way that wizards see property and therefore they are bad and wrong (laughs) yep and harry's like no you're wrong bill and he sets up this plan with griphook and by the way griphook is just as unpleasant the entire time this is happening oh don't forget harry plans to deceive griphook like Yeah. yeah plans I think he straight up tells him, like, we'll give you the sword eventually, but we need to have it for the duration of the war. And Griphook rightfully is like, this wizard's going to take this sword from me and not give it back, as we have learned through centuries of goblin-wizard interaction. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And then it's like, oh, Griphook runs away into the crowd of goblins during the heist and betrays Harry, Ron, and Hermione and leaves them without the sword that they need. And this is supposed to be, like, Bill was right. Harry was wrong. You can't trust the goblins. Goblins are inherently sneaky and bad. Yeah, it's bad. And it's, yeah, it's like... the text condemns. Yeah, the text condemns and encourages the audience to condemn and not question it. Which is, mm-hmm. I guess, which is a definitely another big part of why the anti-Semitism stings so much. Like, people could yes. just excuse it as, like, 
Well, there's anti-Semitic tropes across all kinds of fantasy and science fiction that authors might include in there um, unconsciously because that's part of the folklore that they're deriving from and also like part of the unconscious racism or bias that people include into worlds like Star Wars and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't feel unconscious because of this like very deep-rooted stigma in the book and the fact that we're encouraged to sympathize with the wizards and be like oh the poor wizards are being swindled by these goblins that are just like yeah think that all oh, the, the goblins are mad like no <laughs> the goblins are mad they're not giving back their heirlooms that they've rightfully bought with money which is the way that it should work yeah it's yeah, yeah. grim yeah it's not great real grim <laughs> yeah it would be a very different story well not a very different it would be a different story if like the goblins were b- the bankers but they were like you know happy and helpful and functional Mm. members of society and treated just as well and you know it was just like oh look she obviously drew on some anti-semitic tropes there but it's not like the goblins are evil nasty people (laughs) they just run the bank (laughs) yeah yeah it would that would be a different story (laughs) to an extent i have some more points about like just the economy like i want to talk about gringotts is the only bank are there are there other banks in other countries i assume so I would assume so as well, but we know that Gringotts employs Bill in Egypt Ooh, good point. to raid Egyptian tombs. <laughs> but maybe that's because, okay. Britain has a long history of stealing yeah, from Egypt. Definitely it. I'm just going to do a bit of Googling here quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Egypt. I'll fill with fluff. Do we basically think that there is a different bank in every country because Gringotts is the one bank for England and we assume all of Scotland and Ireland and everything as well because Hogwarts still gets their money from Gringotts. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you know, a similar bank in other countries. Or is Gringotts the only bank and Gringotts has branches in other countries? Because I don't think people from America or Australia or whatever are traveling to London to get their money. Right. Um, Sorry, I was just doing a bit of Googling. I thought Mm. maybe Egypt might be in the Commonwealth. It turns out it was, but it left after the Second World War. Okay, but that wouldn't necessarily matter for... That's a muggle thing. That wouldn't necessarily matter for wizards. I know, but (laughs) J.K. Rowling draws all of her wizarding world shit off muggle shit. You know, that's why, Mm. you know, her... Her English nationalism jumps out when she made one school in Great Britain and Ireland for all of the children to go to and then vote no against Scottish independence. It jumps out. Like, you know, um, (laughs) so I was thinking maybe it's like, oh, well, Gringotts is kind of the bank for the Commonwealth and Great Britain. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I don't know. But then maybe what you're saying about they're sending Bill to, like, get secrets and shit like that he's like he's cracking yeah the curse breaker he's effectively stealing Stealing. gold out of ancient egyptian tombs it comes off as british museum it's giving colonization so like not surprising (laughs) yeah that's happening um yeah yeah (laughs) that straight up just is the case i'm also interested in fleur getting a part-time job at gringotts to improve her english yeah. We assume then that she wasn't employed by the French branch of Gringotts, if such a thing exists, that she came to England and got a part-time job at Gringotts hmm. to learn English. Maybe she just went, maybe she was already, maybe she got a job through the French Gringotts and went to England, like, you know, got transfer to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's my question. <laughs> 
Are there different banks in different countries or is it just Gringotts and branches of Gringotts all over the world? Are they all controlled by goblins is also my secondary question. Look, I think I like to think that there are different different currencies, different banks, different systems mm-hmm. in different countries because that makes sense to me. And because mm-hmm. the idea that Gringotts is the one bank and it just has several heads across the world <laughs> and maybe it changes its currency for the different place it's in and it's all run by goblins is very upsetting mm-hmm. um, and very colonialist. <laughs> yeah. Also feels insane. It feels insane too. Um, do I think that that is what JK Rowling would say would be the case? 100%. I think that she would say that. Yeah. I think she would be like, I already made one bank. I don't want to have to make the yeah. 200 more. Or she they're all do, Gringotts. Or she'd be like, oh, yeah, it's not all Gringotts, but basically the majority of the countries have banks that are run by goblins. That's just uh-huh. like within goblin nature to be part of the banking. Yeah, and, and maybe like, there's one like notable exception that she just pulls out of her ass and that yeah. throws everything into chaos. Yeah. Like, That's oh, yeah, one law is the better everywhere, except that there's this one country where they don't use wands at all. Yeah. <laughs> ah, why? <laughs> yeah. That's definitely the vibe for me. Yeah. Um, which is I definitely think all the banks are goblin controlled in every country, except maybe one place where it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Other just brief points that I have about the economy. Mm-hmm. There is an exchange between muggle money and wizard money. Mm-hmm which means that it is absolutely possible to scam the system in a bunch of stupid ways that I just want to acknowledge. If you can, you were talking that you can't, it's not possible to like conjure natural resources or whatever, but if it's possible to say magic up some rubies or I could, yeah, gold is what I was looking for. Let's say I get some leprechaun gold. I'm a wizard. I get a bunch of leprechaun gold. I go to a cash for gold muggle place. I get a bunch of muggle cash. I go to Gringotts. I exchange that muggle cash for galleons. Yeah. Profit. That would be untraceable practically as well, unless you have an Arthur Weasley on your case, because like mm. the muggles would just see that the gold went missing and be like, huh? <laughs> like yeah. they would never be able to figure out, oh, it's magic gold that goes missing after a while. Like that would never. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, like the muggles will notice and report it to the muggle police, yeah. but it would have to be happening consistently enough for it to gain the attention of wizards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you'd probably yeah. be charged for muggle baiting. Yeah. As well as fraud and shit like as well that. As just money laundering, fraud. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Once again, I come back to a point that I kind of made earlier, where like, yeah, it is possible to do these things using magic, but it's probably a crime, and you'll get caught eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think in the Muggle world, it, you could probably very easily get away with taking a bribe one time. If you take bribes consistently all the time, eventually that's going to show up in your fucking tax records. Yeah, exactly. And I think the people that do try and do these things consistently that we see in the books, like Ludo Bagman, Mundungus Fletcher, Mm. they don't live good lives. Like, everyone is on their case and, like, it's very well known. So it's not just like they've been in trouble with the law and maybe they can keep that in in their past. No, Mm -hmm. people know. (laughs) People know and they're like, oh yeah, don't lend Ludo any money. Like, it's it's such an insular... It catches up to them. It's such an insular world. Like, not only would the law be after you, but socially you might be disenfranchised as well after a while. If that becomes your consistent hobby yeah i think if you're a muggle-born you could get away with this on like a small level quite easily maybe yeah yeah like if i could occasionally conjure myself up like a diamond ring or whatever which i assume is possible and Mm -hmm. sell that for a bit of petty cash like i think i could get away with that probably for my entire life and never get caught Hmm. 
I think he'd get caught. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. All right. <laughs> cool, I because, guess. <laughs> because, like, the muggles would keep reporting, oh, fucking gold and diamonds and stuff that we get given to us keeps going missing. And obviously they would report it to the police, but they'd also report it to you. Mm. <laughs> so there'd always be a link back to you. And eventually if the police are getting enough cases and it's like, hey, this name keeps popping up. Yeah. <laughs> because Here's they're another... the person that gave the gold. Here's um, another great way to do this. Yeah. I get some fucking leprechaun gold. I don't even need the leprechaun gold, but let's say I've got it. I get some leprechaun gold from my friend, the leprechaun. And then I go to a cash for gold place and I'm like, give me a bunch of cash for this gold. He does so, writes it down in his book or whatever. And then I'm like, oblivious. <laughs> and then I leave. True. Yeah. Yeah. That would be it. Or you just use apologies potion. Assume a different apologies identity potion. every time. Yeah. Yeah. There are yeah. ways to be a criminal, but the fact is that you, by doing so, you are becoming a criminal. And yeah. It's we not assume just like eventually something... you'll get caught. <laughs> Like, I, I love how we're talking about crime. It's like, oh, yeah, you either become a criminal or, like, crime's just something you do every now and then for a little bit of psych. <laughs> it's like, no, it's a criminal. It, you're a crime everywhere. You wouldn't steal yeah. a handbag. You wouldn't steal a DVD. Like, <laughs> it's a crime. Yeah. Again, I, a wizard, could go in and obliviate a muggle and empty out the till and get some muggle cash. But I, <laughs> a regular fast. person, could you know pull a knife on a shopkeeper and be like empty the till but i don't do that because i don't want to deal with the consequences of doing that <laughs> that's the only reason she doesn't do it Lisa, she doesn't the only deal reason with the consequences. yeah i don't want people coming to my house and being like why'd you pull a knife on that guy <laughs> being like well for money obviously <laughs> well, yes have you got anything else left to say i do have more points because it's just sorry i know this episode is just going on and on and on But I want to talk a little bit about the economy in terms of like businesses and employers and in terms of Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley as well. Okay. First of all, it's fucked that there's Nocton Alley. Like literally there's a black market. It's like there. (laughs) You can go and get all the illegal shit in a place. That's just such how a child thinks the world works. (laughs) Yeah. Toddler. That's fine. Um... When I was reading about the economy, I kept seeing over and over again, the primary employer of witches and wizards is the Ministry of Magic. Do we think uh-huh. that's the case? Yep. Okay. I think it's the- maybe 60% of the jobs in ministry. I think so. I think a lot of the wizarding world, like the business of the wizarding world is keeping everything under control and stopping mm-hmm. people from, you know, stealing money from muggles and shit. Yeah. Keeping the wizarding world contained insulated separate from the muggles secret from the muggles and just under control because everyone can do magic and that's very hard that's chaotic yeah. <laughs> that's chaotic yeah so i think the ministry is like a massive employer and a lot of business is just government governing yeah, yeah. and the government is a lot more small and hands-on than our government is yeah because the community is smaller But I also, like, something that gets brought up a lot in criticisms of Harry Potter is that, like, you know, the only jobs in the Wizarding World are working at the Ministry of Magic, getting a job in a shop, being a healer, Quidditch star, like, you brought this up as well. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think that's just what we see from Harry's perspective, because Harry is a child and is only interacting in the world in a very small, limited, childish kind of way. Okay. I think that if there is a job in the muggle world, there is an equivalent job in the wizarding world most of the time. Mm. It might just be very different or way smaller or more specialized. I mean, 
we already have loads of jobs in the muggle world that we just don't need. We just yeah. don't need them. But like, and that's with the advanced technology and science that we have now. I just don't believe that there's equivalent jobs in the muggle world to the magical world where there is literal magic that makes things so much easier. Yeah, well, I think you just have a magical version of the job. Yeah, give me an example. I don't know. You said there's farms before. Yeah, I think there's probably magical farmers. Um, Something like... I'm trying to think of something. Like a telemarketer. Someone who calls you over the phone and tries to sell you stuff. I think there's probably a wizarding equivalent of that, but it would just be someone who is trying to sell you like a mail order quick spell course that yeah, we see Filch get. Yeah, that's business sales. Mm. Yeah, I think if yeah, if a job ex- exists for muggles, I think it exists for wizards as well. It would just be different. It's basically just sales, government, sport, mm-hmm. <laughs> education, all that's the industries that we have. But, but no, we've got, like, creative arts. Like, there's there's plenty yeah. of other jobs that are out there. Like, there's no wizard podcast. There's wizard radio. Yeah, there's wizard like, radio. Exactly. Yeah, okay, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like, ballet dancer. There's no fucking ballet dancers in the wizarding Why? world. There should be, but there isn't because we have that whole entry <laughs> in Beetle the Bard about how Hogwarts has banned its music and arts department. Oh, yeah. And so we assume because Hogwarts is the starting point for everyone in Great Britain, and at least the Great British Wizarding World, there's no fucking theatre. There's no fucking dance or anything like that. There's um, music, though. We have musicians. We have the Weird Sisters. We have Celestina okay. Warbeck. Yeah, music is the exception. But you can't yeah. dance or act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even if those things aren't around in Britain, they might be in, I don't know, America or whatever. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just saying that I think while the economy of the Wizarding World is very insular and smaller than the uh, Muggle World, I think it's a lot bigger than what we see in the books. Because in the books, we're seeing things from Harry's very limited perspective. Sure, I can, I can acquiesce to that and say that there's things outside of Harry's perspective. But I still think that the options are still quite limited compared yeah. to what there is in the Muggle World. Yeah, because the Muggle world has billions and billions of people, and yeah. the, and like advanced technology, the Wizarding world doesn't have that. It's all yeah. everything's centuries old or done with a magical spell, and there's only like two hundred of us in the entire world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, and my only real last question was about Hogsmeade and the yeah. economy of Hogsmeade. Yep. Hogsmeade is the only all Wizarding community in. I think it says Britain, even though it's very clearly Scotland. Yeah. Because JK. Well, Scotland uh, is a part of Britain. Yeah. So. Is it? Yes. Okay. That's why they say Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Okay. I don't, I don't know the British so the- countries. <laughs> In- I thought England was different to Britain. No. No. Okay. Well, whatever. it is. England is a country. Britain. <laughs> Great Britain is um, Scotland. Um, Wales, Northern Ireland, Wales, and England, okay. and and then like, I think the UK, the United Kingdom, is everything except Ireland. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, Hogsmeade is the only all wizarding society or town or whatever it is. Yeah. So, do you think there is a lot of travel to and from Hogsmeade? Or is Hogsmeade an entirely 
dependent on Hogwarts and the student of Hogwarts for its entire economy, I guess. Oh, it's definitely not dependent on Hogwarts for its entire economy. There's certainly a lot of travel. I think mm-hmm. everyone, every fucking witch and their dog is heading to Diagon Alley or Hogsmeade to pick up stuff and go to the bar and stuff like that. That's the only cultural hubs they have. <laughs> yeah, it is. Those are the only places that we see. Like, they yeah. don't have a Quidditch stadium. We know that because they no. set it all up for the Quidditch World Cup. <laughs> and everything else they have to, like, wear muggle clothes. Like, be conscious of the fact that, like, oh, we're entering, like, a muggle-only space. Mm-hmm. We can't have our wands out and shit like that. That's exhausting for them. Their yeah. minds are too small. They're the definitely min- heading to Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade almost exclusively to do yeah. their shopping and regular activities. The Ministry yeah. of Magic, St. Mungo's Hospital, and Diagon Alley are all in the middle of London, mm-hmm. the biggest muggle city mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Yeah, so Hogsmeade's the only completely insular community. I was just thinking because so much of what we see at Hogsmeade, and again, it's all from Harry's perspective, are like sweet shops and joke shops and stationery shops and mm-hmm. the post office. Like, it's all sort of stuff that the students would be needing. There are yeah. definitely businesses there that are thriving on the Hogsmeade weekends and the business they get from the students. Yeah, well, they definitely just got shops set up there that are for the students because they're a huge market because they're, like, right next door. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, those are just the places Harry's hitting up. Harry's not going to the furniture shops. He's not going yeah. to the Wizard Ikea or whatever you want to, like... <laughs> he's not going to the Wizard TK Maxx. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there are, like, wizards sort of, let's say, in London or whatever who, instead of going to the Leaky Cauldron, are, like, travelling all the way to Hogsmeade and going to the Three Broomsticks for their Friday night. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like, think about England. Like, even just for muggles, right? We drove to Scotland. Like, you can drive Mm -hmm. there. You can cycle to Scotland (laughs) if you live (laughs) in certain parts of England. You can do it in under a day. Like, they have apparition. Yeah, (laughs) there's sleep powder and apparating. Like, it's not hard. It's so not hard. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And I think that's probably all of my thoughts about the economy. This episode was almost two hours long. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> the economy was a big subject. We knew there was a reason we avoided it for three years, however long we've been doing this. Five. Five years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how the time flies. <laughs> um, well, I guess we'll wrap it up quickly. I have been Jem, and I know we haven't answered a lot of your questions today, and I'm sorry about that. But I hope we've given you a lot to think about, at least. <laughs> I've been Rhea, and I don't have any more thoughts about the economy. I said them all during the episode. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.